Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Hey, good morning, guys. (laughs) I was talking to Jana, and she was like, are you off today? And I was like, kind of. Not really. <laughs> uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Jessica. Uh, okay, there I am. That's who, that's who I am. Um, I normally am behind a mic and a bass, uh, but this week I'm in front of y'all teaching. So uh, we're on this series, uh, Relational God, and I wanted to share a story about a woman in the Bible who... Um, you may know, you may not know. Um, I've grown up in church, and I've only heard her spoken about maybe three or four times. Um, and so it may be new to you. Um, and it's a story in the Old Testament. Um, we're kind of in the Old Testament the last few weeks. Um, but I love the Old Testament. I don't know how you feel about the Old Testament. Um, but it's rich of history and um, really foundational for the New Testament, setting up the coming of Christ, um, but it's also very um, good in the way that it tells its stories. And so I wanted to tell this story about a woman named Hannah. And she, um, just to give a real brief, like, Cliff Notes version, um, she was married to a Levite. Um, she could not have children. She prays. She has a child, and he becomes the last judge of Israel. That's really, like, Cliff Notes version of it. Um, We're going to go a lot deeper um, in a few minutes. So let me pray for us, and then I'll um, get get into the story of Hannah. Lord, we just thank you for, um, God, who you are. Lord, we thank you for for Mother's Day. God, we know that this can be a hard day for many, um, maybe who have lost a mother um, or maybe had a mother who wasn't as um, present as they would have liked Um, or even just the burden of being a mother and um, raising children and maybe um, having that desire but not being able to. And so we just thank you, God, for the gift of motherhood um, and even for those who have um, become surrogate mothers to those without a mother. Um, We pray for each of them. God, we thank you for the blessing um, of mothers and of women And we thank you for the story of Hannah. Lord, I pray that it would um, reach each one of us um, in a specific way. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh uh-oh. So I'm going to do a little bit of background, um, and I'm going to go a little back before Hannah. um, Well, I guess a lot back to Genesis. And we're going to talk about three other women in the Bible who were also um, barren, who couldn't have children. Um, all of them have relationships with the Lord. They all know the Lord. They all serve him, but they all kind of respond to God in an interesting way, um, which is why I wanted to talk about Hannah because the way that Hannah responds is very different than each of these women. And so the first woman that I want to talk about is Sarah, and she is um, the husband of Abraham, and she has uh, Isaac. But before she has Isaac, she... Um, she's pretty upset. (laughs) 
And she basically curses Abram and says, may the wrong done to me be on you. Um, what you don't read here is that before she says this, she also let her husband have relations with another woman to have children. Because she's like, well, maybe that's what the Lord wanted. So let me have my lineage through her. But we don't care about that. This is your fault, Abraham. So you're going to be cursed and not me. And then when she is finally told that she's going to have a child, she laughs at the angel. And then she tries to backtrack later. And he's like, no, you laughed. I heard it. Um, and so this is how she responded to her, her barrenness, her brokenness, her, her grief. Um, and then next we have Rebecca, who is um, Isaac's wife. And she gives birth to two sons, which I think Jake talked about a few weeks ago. Maybe it was Joe. I can't remember. Um, but instead of, um, you know, cursing her husband, she just tricks him into giving the birthright to her second son, which is Jacob, um, so that he may get the blessing of the, what the first child would, he would have gotten Esau. Um, and so she makes this meal that her husband loves, and she gives it to Jacob to give to, to Isaac, and she... He tells him to go find some, some woolly clothes so he can feel and smell like Esau. She does all these things um, to trick her husband and to honestly, like, manipulate her, her son, who also wanted it, but, you know. Um, and then lastly, there's Rachel, who is uh, Jacob's wife, and she gives birth to Joseph. And she becomes jealous of her sister, who is also a wife of Jacob, which we... You know, we're not doing that in this day. Amen? <laughs> but she becomes jealous and she threatens Jacob and says, give me children or I shall die. Which is pretty, I mean, that's an ultimatum. Um, that's how I read it. Maybe I read it out of context. And she's just really, you know, exaggerating it. But when you think about um, putting yourself in that situation where you're, a woman and, you know, in this culture, you're second rate, you know, and your only real identity isn't having a child. And so if you can't have a child, you can't be a mother, a part of your identity is stripped from you. Um, and so all of these women who love the Lord and who honor him and worship him, for whatever reason, the Lord hasn't allowed them to have children. And this is how they responded. This is not to disparage these three women, um, because if we were honest, we do a lot of the same things. Um, I'm sure everyone here has a story or two or three of how we've tried to circumvent God's timing <laughs> or God's plan, because we, we know what we're doing. Like we, I mean, God is like the God of the universe. So like, sometimes he needs help, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm smart and resourceful, and I got, I got things I'm working on, too. So, like, yeah, let me, let me figure it out for you, God. And then when you get here, then you can, like, fix it. Um, <laughs> and we don't say that out loud, but we do it with our actions all the time. Um, and so we see these three women, these three people, trying to make God's promises happen instead of waiting and trusting in him. 
Um, and that leads me to Hannah, which her husband was also, uh, I'll say, resourceful. And we read in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, uh, that he had not one wife, but two wives, just in case. Um, and these are all jokes. I hope y'all learned. Y'all, y'all know that. Um, <laughs> this is not something that God um, condoned or that wasn't his plan. It's just something that he permitted because of our, our fallen nature. Um, and so El- Elkanah had two wives, one named Penina and one named Hannah. He was a Levite, but he wasn't one that had to be in the temple all the time, so he would only go once a year to worship um, and sacrifice to the Lord. But he felt bad about the fact that Hannah couldn't have any children. Um, The Bible even says that he loved her, and we can assume that he probably loved her maybe more than he loved um, Penina, even though that she could have children. And so out of his compassion for her, every year they would um, go to the tabernacle and they would pray and worship and sacrifice to the Lord. And he would give Panina and her children um, meat to sacrifice. Um, But the Bible says he would give a worthy portion or a double portion um, some say a choice portion to Hannah because she could not have, ki- could not have kids. Um, I guess that was his, his gesture of, you know, I'm sorry, you can't have children. Here's an extra sacrifice for the Lord. Um, and so this happened year after year after year. The Bible doesn't say how many children um, Panina had, but it does say she had sons and daughters. And so just just say she had four Let's just say she had four kids. Um, And so you can imagine the grief that Hannah's feeling not being able to have children. It's not for for the sake of Elkanah not trying because the other wife had children. She just couldn't produce any. Um, And so uh, you can go to verse, uh, the next slide. So Panina gets jealous, essentially, of the way that she's treated um, by her husband, by their husband. And she begins to provoke and taunt Hannah. Um, And so if it wasn't enough that she couldn't have children, now that she is in this place of worship, now she's being tormented by, you know, someone that is in her family, honestly, um, is in her household. And I don't know if you've ever been there before, um, if you've been bullied in school or um, just felt like you've not been given your fair share, but I can't imagine living in a home with someone that is taunting you and pestering you and and bullying you. Um, And it doesn't say here, but I can imagine that it's probably not once a year that Penina does this. She's probably doing this pretty constantly. Um, I actually have a friend um, in high school who her brother was um, very, very mean to her to the point where she would lock herself in her room um, to get away from, from it. And so I can't imagine having that 
you know, that, that burden, that hopelessness, um, maybe even helpless feeling of when is this going to end? You know, when is the Lord going to allow me to have children to ease my suffering, to ease my pain? Um, and maybe you've been there. Maybe you're, maybe you're there right now um, where you're asking God these questions. Um, and it can be excruciating. Um, I have family members who have had miscarriages, um, who have not been able to have children, and I can't imagine the burden that that puts on a mother, um, on a woman, on a family. And so um, I empathize with those people who have gone through that. And to have that grief, and then on top of that, to have someone in your head that's constantly opposing you. Um, and interestingly enough, Hannah never retaliates against Panina um, or her husband, um, but we'll get there. So, if we read in verses, First Samuel chapter one, verses seven. So it says, uh, her rival provoked her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb so it went by year after year. As often as she went to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Um, this was interesting to me when I was kind of reading about it. Because um, I just assumed that she just wasn't eating, you know, like at home. Like, you know, we're going to hop daddy after church. I'm just not going to eat, that type of thing. Um, but actually what it was, was that they would go to the temple and they would have a sacrificial feast. And so along with them sacrificing uh, meats and worshiping, they would also eat together. And this is the meal that she decided she wasn't going to eat because she was in so much pain. Um, and it just dawned on me, you know, she was obviously being affected mentally, um, physically, not eating, but it also affected her worship. Um, and how she presented herself to the Lord. Um, I don't know if you've been there before where you're in so much pain um, that you couldn't even enjoy God the same way that you used to. Um, I've been there probably a couple of times. Um, and it doesn't feel good because you, you know you still love God and you still trust him, but there's just a void or a hole that's been created from all this pain that you've been suffering. Um, and so she goes up to worship. She goes up to sacrifice, but she can't fully commit the way that she used to. Um, because of the pain, but also because of this person that's been irritating her year after year after year after year, reminding her of her pain and her suffering and her um, grief. Um, and I just want to say, if that's you, um, I, I feel you, I understand, I empathize. Um, that can be hard to walk into a place where you're supposed to feel free and open and you're supposed to, you know, kumbaya, 
um, but you just, you're just not feeling it. Um, and this is where Hannah was. And I know for many people, that was the pandemic um, with people losing their jobs and not having security, people losing people that were close to them, mothers, fathers, grandparents, um, siblings, and just not knowing what tomorrow would look like and then having to come to church and to dress up and get your kids ready and, and smile and praise the Lord. It can be hard to even, you know, lift your hand. Um, and so if that's you um, this morning, I just want to say that I understand. I feel you. Um, and we are all here with you. You don't have to fake it in here. Um, that that's a part of your relationship with God and your journey with God. So like I said earlier, um, Hannah's relationship with God is very different than the other women in the Bible um, that I spoke about earlier, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, because she doesn't curse her husband, she doesn't threaten him, she doesn't retaliate against Panina, which she could have, and it would have been in her right to do it. Um, but instead, she decides to keep all of this information, all of this anger and grief inside of her, which is a burden that no one should carry. And so she decides to do something that the other woman didn't do, and she decided to pray. And this isn't some ordinary, um, you know, when you were a kid, you would do like the, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. It wasn't that type of prayer. Um, and she had been through too much, honestly, to pray that type of prayer. She's at the point where She's at the end of her rope. Um, she had done all the crying she could do. <laughs> she probably, you know, had cried enough tears for, for a lifetime. And so she prays this prayer in 1 Samuel verses uh, 10 and 11. It says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she had made a vow or a promise saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And I will not bring a razor to his head. It doesn't really show it here. But if you could really put yourself in that position, this is a prayer I call it a prayer of despair um, of someone who's been carrying a heavy burden for a long time and there's no time to mince words in the midst of all that she's going through. It's almost, some maybe will call it a, Her a Hail Mary um, prayer, but there's a few things that I wanna, want you to notice. I think it can be easy to take her prayer and maybe take it out of context, because I think, well, for me personally, I've, I've prayed a similar prayer when I didn't study for a test. And I'm like, Lord, if you just let me pass this test, I will study for the next one, knowing I was not gonna study for the next one. But if you just let me pass this, like I've, I will, I will thank you forever because I would never do, I would never say like, I'm going to stay for the next one because I know myself. 
So I would just say, I'm gonna, I would be really glad if you would just let me, if you would just fix this thing, then I'll do this. But what she's saying is, Lord, if you give me a son, I'm gonna give him back to you. That's a lot. Because she's never had a child before. But I think what's different here is that Hannah had come to the realization that this child wasn't hers to begin with. That Hannah was not the giver of life. She was only the carrier of it. I think we end up in situations where we put ourselves in the position of the giver and not of the carrier. And that's when problems start to happen because we take on the role of God. Um, And we see this happening throughout scripture. We see this happening in our own lives where we we wanna be the giver. But the issue is that if we're the giver, that means that we're also the taker. And so you see people like Panina who believes that she's the giver. She gave birth to her children. And so she feels like she can take from Hannah her joy, her peace, whatever it is. And we don't necessarily even do it intentionally. It's just a part of who we are as fallen people is that we take on the position of I'm the giver, I'm the taker, instead of I'm the carrier, I'm the caregiver, I'm the manager, I'm not the owner. And so if we could take a position of allowing God to be God and allowing us to be servants, which Hannah calls herself twice um, in that prayer, how much simpler would your life be? How much simpler would your situations be if you saw yourself as a servant and not the one who had to do everything in your power? I think the older I get, the harder that is. I think when you're young and you kind of have someone who's a parent or um, even teachers, you know, leading you and guiding you, it's a little bit easier to not even feel the need to do that. But the older you get, the more responsibilities you have. Maybe you have children or a spouse or you're just trying to, you know, make your way up in the world. You have this desire um, to want to own your life. And in a sense, we all do own our lives. Um, But in another sense, nothing that we own is ours, including the children that we have. Um, and so that's, that's what Hannah's prayer showed. She said, Lord, I'm a servant, and so I'm going to give you what was already yours in the first place. So she prays this prayer, um, and she's praying it in a way where she's not necessarily speaking words out loud. Um, but the priest, Eli, sees her and kind of calls attention to her, you know, thinking she, that she's drunk because her mouth's moving, but nothing's coming out. Um, But he eventually realizes what she's praying for, and he confirms her um, in the next verse and basically tells her that she can go in peace, that the Lord will grant her her prayer. And after that, she's allowed, um, she allows herself to, to eat and to smile again and to have joy again. Um, And I know this is a very, like, specific 
situation and a very specific person, um, but it's a very familiar pain if you've ever prayed a prayer that you feel like God wasn't listening to, um, or if you've had a familiar um, grief that she had, or if you're just in a situation where you don't you don't want to be here. You'd rather be there, and you can't move. Um, or something was placed on you that you had no control over, um, whether it's something that was passed down to you from your parents or something that happened to you in childhood that you had no control over. Um, and so even though this is a woman who has dealt with um, not being able to have a child, I hope that you can see that this is more than just about having a baby, um, that this is about um, her commitment to the Lord and um, her heart um, for service. Um, and honestly, her relationship with, with God, um, the way that she saw him, the way that she um, communed with him was different than many people in the Bible. Um, and the people that we praise, like David and, and Solomon and even Peter, um, I want to leave you with a few takeaway points. Um, and this is not exhaustive. There's way more things I could have talked about. Um, there's a foreshadowing, of course, of her giving her, her son to the Lord and in the New Testament of the Lord giving Jesus to, to the world. Um, there's, there's even more backstory of her prayer um, that she prays um, as a thanksgiving and how it compares with Mary's prayer in the New Testament and her praise of thanksgiving for having Jesus. Um, but I just want to leave you with a few things. I have two questions. Um, what does this say about God? And what does this say about us? So first thing is that God cares about our grief and misery. Um, this is, can be really hard for people um, who don't know God, who don't serve God to believe. Um, this is one of the things that keeps people from um, choosing God as their savior because they're like, well, how does a good God let bad things happen? You know, why is this happening to me? Um, I'm a good person, X, Y, Z. Um, but God cares about our grief and misery sometimes more than we think that he does. He doesn't enjoy seeing us um, suffering, especially when it's something that we couldn't control. Um, and so I don't know who that's for, if that's for somebody watching online, but God cares about your grief and your misery and your burdens, and your pain, and he wants you to bring them to him. Um, God's purpose for your life is always greater than the pain that you experience. Um, and that's hard to believe when you're in the middle of it, um, but it's, it's true. Uh, secondly, is that God loves us no matter what we produce, um, or whether we have any work to give him or not. Um, I think Panina thought she was in a better position because she could produce children um, fairly easily. And 
It doesn't say, but maybe Hannah felt a little bit um, less worthy because she couldn't. Um, And maybe Elkanah, her husband, felt bad because she also couldn't produce children, and so he tried to fix it by giving her more to sacrifice. Um, But God loves you regardless of what you can sacrifice to him or what you can produce for him or what work you can do for him. He honors your work. He honors your sacrifice, but he doesn't need that to love you. He just loves you. And then next, your weakness or lack in an area. Oh, sorry. I already said that one. Next one. (laughs) Um, What does this say about us? I'm going to ask, I'm going to open it up to, to you guys. What... What is your takeaway from, from, Hannah's, from Hannah's story? What do you think this says about us? Never lose faith, good. Everything happens for a reason. Good, anybody else? Good. So she said, when we try to do things on our own, it actually makes us more miserable than just trusting in God's purpose. Good. She said, always have faith. Don't let anyone else ruin your faith. Good. (laughs) She said it. (laughs) Remain faithful servant. Good. Anybody else? Good. Well, these were some of the ones that I came up with. Again, this is not an exhaustive list of things. Um, Why don't I leave you with a few? The first one is don't allow your discontentment to stop your devotion. Um, I think it's really important to see that even though um, she couldn't fully participate in the worship of, of the Lord and eating the sacrificial feast, she still would go up every year and she still would sacrifice and she still would worship um, through the provoking, through the shame through the rebuking even of, of Eli, which I didn't go over. Um, through the misery, Hannah doesn't allow that to stop her from participating in talking to the Lord. Um, and we see these two women in scripture. Both of them were actually pretty discontent. Um, Panina had the children she had you know, everything that she thought she wanted, but she didn't have Elkanah's love that the same way that Hannah did. And so she um, chose to terrorize and cause disunity in her households, whereas Hannah chose to seek the Lord. And so that should be our response, is to seek the Lord. Next is to give all of yourself to God. We see Hannah, she, all she had was herself. And she prayed that to the Lord, even if I have a child, it's still yours. Um, and so I like to call it yourself plus. Um, and that could be literal child or children. That could be the place that you work. That could put, that'd be where you live. Um, that could be the people that you um, meet with in your small groups. Give yourself to the Lord in each of those situations. That's what giving yourself completely to the Lord means. Um, allow God 
to use you to show his love to, each, to everyone. Um, I think we can say, like, I love you, you know, we can text it, but it's really shown in action. Um, and the only way that God's love is tangible is through action. And so giving yourself to the Lord um, the way that Hannah does um, with her life um, and honestly with her, with her son's life um, is an example of how we should do it. Um, and it's, it's hard sometimes to compare ourselves to, to, to God giving his son because it's like, well, Jesus was God, so he kind of had to do it. Um, but she didn't have to pray that prayer. She just could have prayed, Lord, if you would give me a, ch- a child, I would, I would be grateful. I would be so glad. But she said, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And in her faithfulness in that, God gave her even more children. Um, and so, like Ginger was saying, it could be frustrating, but doing it our own way, we actually do ourselves more harm than good. Um, God always blesses us in our faithfulness. And honestly, life is short. Um, so let's not hold on to things that we can't take with us anyways. So We are to bear one another's burdens um, and not add to them. A church can be great, but it can also be um, super messy. It's like a big family. We all have different opinions and ideas and personalities. Um, And it can be easy to be a burden to someone (laughs) and do it on purpose. Um, But I pray that you would be someone who lifts one another up with your words and not... um, not seek to break someone down, um, not to seek to do another harm. Um, even when you feel like that's what you should do because you're hurting too. Um, I pray that you would be like Hannah and that you would give your burdens to the Lord. And lastly, uh, remain faithful. Uh, Whether we know it or not, um, when we decided that we were going to say yes to God, we also made a promise to him, and that was to serve him for the rest of our lives. Um, We don't talk about that a lot, like what that looks like on a day-to-day basis. Um, But in in many ways, our prayer or our, our promise to God is very similar to Hannah's prayer. And it's that, God, I want to serve you. I realize that you're my savior, that you came for me, that you died for me. And this is my sacrifice to you. It's my life. Um, and so I, I just pray that you would remain faithful to that promise that you made. That you would um, continue um, walking faithfully in spite of whatever you're going through in spite of your grief, um, in spite of your brokenness or confusion, um, in spite of your uh, bitterness or even anger towards God, um, I pray that you remain faithful to him. And again, allow yourself to be an empty vessel. Allow him to be the potter and for you to be the clay. Um, 
allow him to take those things that hurt you the most um, and to make them into something beautiful. Um, allow your life to be shaped, shaped and changed by Christ. Um, allow him to work in and through you. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Um, we're going to have some time for reflection and worship. And I want to read Hannah's prayer of praise that she gives to God. This is after um, she has come home and she's able to conceive a child. And she names him Samuel, which means God hears and he grows up to become um, the last Israel, the last judge of Israel. And um, this is her prayer of praise to him. She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world's. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails, and those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven, and the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Um, as we take part in communion, um, it's an outward expression of our faithfulness and commitment to God. And it's also something we do in remembrance of Jesus' life um, and death and resurrection. Um, and so I don't know where you are in your faith. Um, if you're in a season of, of grief, or if you're just coming out of it, or if, if this is all new to you and it's, you've never experienced it. Um, I pray that you would open your heart to be an empty vessel for the Lord um, so that you can confidently say that it's not me, but it's Christ living in me. And so I'm going to pray over the bread and juice. Um, we're going to have Jake and I, we're going to carry the bread, and then we're going to have the Melissa's, um, holding the juices, and you can just come up whenever you feel led. Um, for those that are more comfortable, we have prepackaged um, juice and bread as well, for those that would rather take that. Um, 
But I would just ask that you would take this time um, to really talk to God and, and talk to him like you would someone that's you're close to, like a brother um, or a friend, and just really allow him to talk back. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.